And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Welcome to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. I'm your host, J. David Weeder, but you can call me Dave. And this show is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. Let's jump into our issue. This time around, I kind of wanted to play something that was in context with what I was covering in episode 87, and then when the show returned with episode 98. And this one jumped right out at me. This time we are looking at Daredevil and the Black Widow number 99. Going back to the San Francisco area where Daredevil and Black Widow shacked up for the first time. That's right, they are the first superheroes to do so, and they're like Carol and Mike Brady, the first couple on television to share a bed, except they're superheroes. And this is the May 1973 issue, with a great John Romita cover. In it, Hawkeye, the Avenger, is shooting this rope arrow at Daredevil, who's flying through the air, because they're all on rooftops, and Daredevil's desperately reaching out for a ledge, but not quite making it. Meanwhile, the Black Widow's jumping in and screaming at Hawkeye, no, for the love of heaven, no, because Daredevil's about to go splat. This cover is chaotic in a good way. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of shapes and angles here. So it actually adds to a certain level of confusion and desperation. And it definitely sells the stakes that Daredevil may actually end up dying. I mean, we know he doesn't. But in the scenario presented, yeah, it's a very real possibility. The story inside is entitled The Mark of Hawkeye. Written by Steve Gerber with pencils by Sam Queskin, inks by Sid Shores, letters by Artie Simic. And you can pick this up in trade form in Essential Avengers Volume 5 or Essential Daredevil Volume 4, which is what I am reading off of. It's also available digitally on Comixology. If you want to save a few shekels, it's actually available on Marvel Unlimited. And our tale opens with Daredevil coming back with Natasha and San Francisco Police Lieutenant Paul Carson after fighting the Dark Messiah. They're returning home and Daredevil's in rough, rough shape because that was a heck of a fight. And they find Hawkeye standing on the porch there. And Hawkeye has been waiting there so he can express his feelings for Natasha. As you can imagine, this is going to end up with a fight between Daredevil and Hawkeye because they're going all out for the affections of the Black Widow. The fight spills out through the bay window of the house into the yard where Hawkeye tries to blind Daredevil with a phosphorus arrow. To protect his secret identity, Daredevil feigns that it is actually blinding him and Hawkeye gets away. As Daredevil comes to his senses and decides he and Hawkeye should talk this out man to man like mature adults... Hawkeye runs into a motorcycle gang who try to rough him up, but it doesn't go well for the motorcycle gang because they're dealing with an Avenger. Kind of. When Daredevil arrives to try to help, Hawkeye attacks with some gas arrows, and Daredevil finally talks him down, and they come to the conclusion that maybe they should let Natasha decide who she wants to be with. Meanwhile, the Avengers have been running into some issues with Magneto, so they're looking to recruit a few new members since they're down some. The Avengers have come to recruit Daredevil. They get Natasha in tow, but Hawkeye decides not to go with them because he's striking out to form his own identity. And our issue ends with our two heroes heading off towards the East Coast to fight Magneto as Avengers. And that's where we'll pick up next time, but this time I'm going to take a quick podcast promo break and I'll be back to talk about Daredevil number 99. Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology. Video games. 
Toys, Star Wars, just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by Two True Freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with, and be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. Welcome back. I'm going to start out this episode talking a little bit about Hawkeye, because his road to the doorstep here is actually kind of an interesting one, and it's very, very intertwined with the Black Widow. Where Black Widow appeared as an Iron Man villain first in Tales of Suspense number 52, Hawkeye would show up shortly in Tales of Suspense number 57. And the way it breaks down for Hawkeye is he was a carnival performer whose act wasn't really garnering all that much attention, despite, you know, being a cool archer and all that. It just wasn't quite grabbing the crowds. So as a way to jazz up his act, he designed the now familiar purple garb and added up the trick arrows, but he went out to test it on the city and he accidentally came upon a robbery and the person ditched him but left the bag of jewels making Hawkeye look like a thief. This is where the Black Widow comes in because she's in full Russian spy femme fatale mode at this point. She picks up Hawkeye who immediately falls in love with her and she uses that to manipulate him to fight Iron Man. For his first couple of appearances, Hawkeye was basically a henchman for Black Widow. I mean, he was completely in love with her, chasing after her like he's Pepe Le Pew. Eventually, when the original Avengers disbanded, Hawkeye showed up for an audition to become an Avenger and actually got Iron Man's voucher. So he became one of Cap's kooky quartet and became a very important part of the Avengers. And this is where Natasha kind of comes back into the picture, because again, these two are very intertwined, and where this story goes is very important to both of them. Because Natasha would come in and help the Avengers, but she never gained their trust, and her and Hawkeye's relationship got hot and heavy. It then got a little bit awkward when you found out that, hey, Natasha's kind of married. She thought her husband was dead, but he's not. She's being manipulated. That's right, lots and lots of manipulation. It's actually retcons, but manipulation will work. And Natasha breaks it off with Hawkeye to go out and form her own identity, which is kind of how she ends up here, because what you saw was her changing her look entirely. She became a redhead. She designed the costume that you, you're more familiar with, the black jumpsuit off of Spider-Man to some extent. And she became a crime fighter. She had her own little strip and then ended up in Daredevil. So that's kind of the idea that these two are constantly searching for an identity for themselves. And that search for an identity is how Hawkeye ended up here. Because in issue number 109 of the Avengers, he decides, I need to prove myself as a hero. And I need to do it as an individual hero. Because as an Avenger, I can't stand out. I can't prove my mettle because, hey, you have Thor over here throwing Milnor like it's nothing. Iron Man's blasting people with his repulsors. Captain America's being a super soldier and I've got a bow and arrow. So this is a very valid way to take this character on a different journey. Because you understand why he's trying to prove himself because he's stacked up against the Avengers. He's never going to stand out in that group. And it strikes me as very glaring that one of the first things that Hawkeye does on his little quest for identity, it's not quite a vision quest, but a quest for identity is come to Natasha and lay his heart out for her. And it doesn't matter to him that she's in a relationship with Matt Murdock or Daredevil, because if he puts his true feelings out there, certainly there's got to be some sort of spark there. And it's not that he's setting out to be disrespectful, he's just doing a power play just to put it out there, find out what the results would be if he told Natasha how he feels about her. 
It just so happens that he catches Daredevil at a bad time after having a very intense fight with the Dark Messiah the issue before. I mean, Daredevil's in tatters, he's bruised, Natasha's helping him across the yard, and suddenly here's this Avenger. And essentially he's there to steal Daredevil's girl, which sets up the issue itself. I mean, the issue itself is paradoxical in that it's a very simple, straightforward series of fights between Hawkeye and Daredevil. And we're dealing with toxic levels of masculinity, but they do eventually come to a logical conclusion, which they probably should have come to earlier, since they're both adults. The paradox part is it's actually good character work for Hawkeye. It's good character work for Natasha. Daredevil suffers a little bit because he kind of comes out like, I mean, let's be honest, he comes out like an asshole. But the idea that Hawkeye's striking out on his own and, and really trying to form his own life, no matter what the cost, is interesting. It is enticing me to read a little bit more about this. And one of the things that caught me when I opened the book from that John Romita cover was the Sam Queskin art. And I kept trying to figure out, who is Sam Queskin? Is that a nom de plume for another artist? And the answer is no. Sam Queskin was an artist who, he primarily worked in advertising. He had his own ad agency. He did the art for the ad agency. Sometimes he wrote copy. The totality of his comic book art career happened with Marvel. He never went over to DC or anybody else at least according to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics. The vast majority of his art career happened in the 50s, before the Marvel Universe really kicked in, back when it would have been Atlas or Timely. At this point, he's the primary artist on the Submariner comic, working on four issues from issue 59 to issue 63. And of course, Daredevil number 99, a little bit of a fill-in. The reason the art jumped out at me this way is it has a very strong callback to Wally Wood-style Daredevil which is a fairly noticeable departure from somebody like Gene Colan, who'd been doing the book up to this point. I'm well on record for loving Gene Colan, but his art is very atmospheric, very detailed in terms of character expressions and body language. Queskin's Daredevil is very stiff. However, his Hawkeye looks great. His Black Widow looks perfectly on model. The art overall is fantastic. It just feels very, very different from what you'd expect from Gene Colan in this era of Daredevil. But I have to confess that I'm very disappointed in Daredevil's reaction to Hawkeye showing up. Not that I don't understand it. The core emotion I get. Hawkeye's showing up. He's wanting to steal the Black Widow from Daredevil. And Daredevil's moved from New York to San Francisco to be with her. So clearly she's important to him. And Hawkeye's definitely overstepping his bounds, even though I understand his motivation as well. If he puts his feelings out there, what could happen? And I think the fact that it takes a whole issue for Hawkeye and Daredevil to come to a simple conclusion of letting Natasha decide who she wants to be with, if either of them. It's staggering that two grown men, both competent superheroes in their own right, would allow it to come to that. It comes down to a penis measuring contest. A couple of apes squaring up against each other. It's a little too primal for me, you know what I mean? And I guess, at the same time, I have to admit that there's a sensationalism to these two fighting. Because in their way, they're fairly evenly matched. Yes, it ends up becoming a exciting fight. But before that actually happens, Clint calls something out. That Black Widow's hair is different, her outfit's different, even her voice is different. And Black Widow brushes it off that, hey, times have changed. And people change with it. The Natasha that we see in this particular issue versus the Natasha that was appearing in the Avengers in a relationship with Hawkeye is very different. And that's an important distinction I want to make here. Prior to her cutting ties with Hawkeye in the Avengers, Natasha was somebody who was a reactionary character. Her superiors manipulated her and directed her and they gaslighted her into the point where she kind of lost her own identity. So she became a weapon that could be directed, but not a full-fledged person. And this Natasha, she has gone through a journey of self-discovery. She made a decision that she would, instead of being defined by others, being defined by the outside, she would define herself. Now, I do have an issue that 
that she designed a lot of her new look and new attitude from Spider-Man because that's a female character taking a cue from a male character, but that was not the intent of that particular story. It wasn't something that was meant to cut Natasha down. It was just something to give Natasha a new direction. But I say that to say this. The idea that Natasha would go back to Hawkeye would be a step back for the character in her evolution. That would put her back in a position she did not want to be in and should not be in at this point as she's really coming into her own. In many ways, she probably should not be in a relationship with Matt. Think of it like this. When alcoholics go through Alcoholics Anonymous, one of the things they try to avoid in the early stages of their sobriety is getting into relationships. Because if you're coming into sobriety, you're redefining yourself. You're focusing on yourself. And the end goal of that focus is to create a better version of you. One without the alcohol. One that can stand on their own two feet. So being in a relationship with somebody else, it comes down to the idea that you can't love somebody till you love yourself. And alcoholics need to learn to love themselves. So they have to make themselves into a version of them that they can love. For Natasha, coming out of the spy game, coming out of circumstance where she can be manipulated and brainwashed and who knows what, it's extremely important for her to basically make the version of herself that she can love, that she can respect, that she can live with publicly. And getting into a relationship with Daredevil, yes, it was kind of inevitable because there's an actual attraction there. They really do love each other, but neither character is really ready for the level of relationship they've taken this to. So in all honesty, Natasha should be on her own, really defining herself before she even enters into a relationship with either man. But yet, the relationship with Daredevil is existent, so the mistake's already been made. And I think the proof is in the pudding. You don't believe what I'm saying? Let me point out that Daredevil seems to be subconsciously aware of this. Otherwise, he would not be jealous that Hawkeye shows up. If this were a healthy, thriving relationship, there would be no threat. He would know where Natasha stands with him. He would know where Natasha stands with Hawkeye. He would know the decisions she would make, and he would not bristle at the fact that Hawkeye's rolling in. And yet he comes down the stairs trying to provoke the fight with Hawkeye, being very, very aggressive, telling him to back off in no uncertain terms, and he's surprised when Hawkeye hits him. If Matt wanted to make the mature adult move, he would have put Natasha first and said, I would rather you be happy with somebody else than unhappy with me. Do what you need to do, which admittedly is not an easy stance to take, but it is probably the best stance somebody could take in a relationship like this. But of course, it comes down to fisticuffs, and that's the bulk of the issue is these two men fighting. So again, the character work is interesting. The fact that both Natasha and Matt are becoming aware that their relationship is very fragile, and the realization that neither of them are truly in a position to really pursue in a complete adult relationship is kind of coming to the surface. Meanwhile, you have Hawkeye and Natasha who have that similar origin point, the fact that they were Iron Man villains turned heroes, and it's something where, yeah, maybe this relationship could be explored down the road. But again, again, none of these characters are in a position to explore a romantic relationship, a meaningful romantic relationship. Is the fighting interesting? Yes, it is. We have Daredevil doing a move where he tacks down Hawkeye's bow, which is slung over his back, so it makes Hawkeye unable to get up. That's funny. Likewise, Hawkeye using a phosphorus arrow, and Daredevil at first is like, what's, what's going on? I don't understand. What are you trying to do? You're not even shooting the arrow. And when he realizes it's phosphorus, he's like, oh, I gotta overact. Oh, my eyes, I cannot see. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's great. But page 12, we have Natasha straight up telling Daredevil, you and Clint have nothing to talk about. This is my decision, and neither of you get to make it for me. And Daredevil's like, oh, I could have had a V8. Of course, this is her decision. Why didn't he realize that before she literally told him that? 
And again, why doesn't Daredevil feel more secure in the relationship? To me, it always felt like these two were not compatible in any way, shape, or form. Almost a toxic relationship. And again, for some of the reasons I mentioned, Natasha's forming her identity. And Daredevil frequently kind of overtakes the identity of the person he's with. He casts a long shadow. Not intentionally, but he does it anyway. So, fight number one ends, and Hawkeye says, Hey, you come to me. Just look around for me in the city. Daredevil does so. This time he's trying to talk. He's like, let's be adults. Let's let Natasha have the decision like he came to that conclusion on his own. And this second fight comes to a really cool conclusion where Daredevil snaps Hawkeye's bow, but Hawkeye grabs Daredevil's billy club. And it reminds me of the Mark Wade run when Captain America got his billy club. Daredevil likewise got Captain America's shield. And Daredevil turns the billy club against him, taking the line and dragging Hawkeye and saying, look, can we just talk this out like adults? Everything comes to a head when they show up at Natasha's mansion and the Avengers are sitting there saying, hey, we need your help. So let me set up why the Avengers are here. In issue number 110, the Avengers respond to a distress call at Xavier's mansion. When they show up, they find the X-Men are completely defeated. Something has come through there and just wiped them out and they find out that it is Magneto and they oddly find Magneto in the Angel's costume. And it seems, and I'm going to comment on this more next episode, but it seems that Magneto has found a way to use magnetism to control minds. Yeah, I know. We'll get to it. But with that, Magneto has taken several members of the Avengers off the board. They're under his thrall now. So they're down some members and they're going against a threat that's actually going to potentially kick their ass. So Earth's mightiest heroes are going on a recruitment drive, and they've come for Daredevil. They have not come for the Black Widow, which is kind of insulting since she's somebody who has assisted the Avengers several times. And it's always a point of contention for me that the Avengers didn't learn to trust Natasha during the original time that she was assisting them. I mean, especially when everything came out about her husband, the Crimson Guardian, that Natasha was, she was a victim in all this. She was somebody who was manipulated and gaslighted and brainwashed, all kinds of things. So Natasha was found to be a person who didn't have her own agency, but was also proving that she was gaining that agency over time because this wasn't just a one-off when she would team up with them. Yeah, she fought them a little at first, but she slowly grew to show her true colors, that she was potentially trustworthy and at least as trustworthy as Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, who were, you know, parts of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. It's in the title. But that's a story that we're going to get to next issue. Hawkeye, seeing the Avengers there, becomes hostile very, very quickly. Not like he hasn't been hostile through the whole issue, but he blames Natasha for calling in his quote-unquote big brothers to come take him home. And I get that. I get why he's frustrated because his goal right now is to separate himself from the Avengers and prove himself as a solo hero. Leaving the Avengers and going to the opposite coast of the United States only to have the Avengers follow him there is gotta be just frustrating. It's like trying to escape that top 40 pop hit that follows you around everywhere. No matter where you go, the radio is playing it, or the Muzak is playing, it gets out of control. Hawkeye takes off, so Natasha doesn't have to choose between the two men in one of the men's own book. You know what I mean? That would have been a little bit awkward. Understandable, but awkward. At the same time, it's kind of a shame that the potential character conflict that could have resulted from this sort of decision being put on the table is robbed from us. It means that everything in this issue has been moot. Because we're looking at two potential suitors for the Black Widow, where she might actually have to choose one over the other, and then that's completely robbed. So, it serves to make this issue only a stepping stone to get Daredevil to team up with the Avengers. And let's turn our focus on the Avengers for just a moment. They arrive to recruit Daredevil. They arrive to recruit only Daredevil. And it's Thor, Black Panther, and the Vision arriving to 
recruit only Daredevil. It's a bunch of males coming to recruit another male, ignoring the female, who is just as if not more competent than Daredevil as a hero. And the beauty of that is that Matt originally refuses. He's like, I work alone, more or less. I mean, I'll hang out with my girlfriend and do superhero stuff, but no, this isn't for me. I'm a, I'm a solo hero. And that reminded me that Daredevil's living the superhero life that Clint Barton's actually pursuing. He's distinguishing himself as a solo hero. He can't be looked at as just a part of a group because that's just not how he operates. So the public perception is Daredevil's a solo hero. He's a very capable hero in and of himself and on his own. But it also reminded me that Daredevil doesn't work well with others. Because his main concern with teaming up with the Avengers ends up being that they will catch on that his senses are heightened and they'll figure out his secret identity. Well, one of the Avengers actually knows his secret identity and plays that against Matt. Because Black Panther showed up in issue number 92, wore a Daredevil costume so Matt Murdock and Daredevil could be seen in the same place. So that's right, Black Panther flew from the East Coast to the West Coast, put on a costume just to hide Matt's secret identity. So he's like, you owe me. And I'd say that's actually quite accurate. And that's worse than a friend asking for help moving, because if I get that call, I'm going to be busy that day. Doesn't matter what is going on, I'm going to be busy. But it's that calling in of a favor that gets Matt to join up with the Avengers for this little adventure. They don't appeal to his altruism. They basically use the fact that he owes a favor to the Black Panther to get him to go along, which is a little bit disappointing as well. Daredevil's attitude has been way off model in this issue. Then again, Gerber was a very unique writer who could take characters and delve into them and find things you like. Find things you don't like, but find things that are intrinsic to that character. They're not out of nowhere. Thomas DJ and I were talking about Steve Gerber, and Daredevil was his comedy book, while Howard the Duck was his serious book. Howard the Duck took on real social issues and really took them on in a very different, enlightened way. While Daredevil kind of revealed the the misogyny and the self-centeredness of 60s superheroes. Like the fact that they will put on a costume, go out and save the day, but come home and be extremely jealous and suspicious of their girlfriends. It's not a good look for Daredevil, but it's not coming from left field. He was always a little bit possessive of Karen Page, and he's always been a little bit egotistical. Let's be honest, the whole Daredevil concept is based on Matt's ego. As a child, if you go back to Daredevil number one, his identity was completely formed by Jack Murdock. First as a father and an overbearing father, and then after the fact as a cause, something to put on a costume and avenge. And yes, that pun is intended. And once Jack was gone as a father and gone as a cause, as, as Slade is put into trial and all of that happens, suddenly Daredevil is lost. Matt is a lost soul who finds himself in Daredevil more and more. To the point that he will not repair his blindness to retain that Daredevil identity and that Daredevil mission. And through that, he refuses to reveal his secret identity to the people who are closest to him. Namely, Foggy is probably the big one, but Karen as well. I mean, she eventually found out, but that caused more problems than it solved. And yeah, I'm back on the kick that he should have shared the secret with Foggy, and that's always going to bother me. But it also speaks to that ego that I'm talking about, that being Daredevil is more important to him than some of his friends. And I know that's a hard pill to swallow, but it's not incorrect. And in no way, shape, or form does that mean Matt is not altruistic, he's not full of integrity. It doesn't take away from that. This is another aspect to a complex personality. We're talking about a man who created a fictional twin brother who was Daredevil to take the heat off of him being Daredevil himself. He created a totally fictitious relative 
And on top of that, he faked the death of his fake twin brother and said somebody else took over as Daredevil. And the lesson learned from that is Matt will go to any extent to protect his secret identity, even to absolute, utterly ridiculous places. Creating a twin brother, calling in an Avenger from the East Coast to come poses him, that shows a certain degree of ego in terms of being Daredevil. And the other side of the coin is his results speak for themselves. He does go out. He does do good things. He does protect people. So perhaps to some extent that portion of his ego is justified. But it also creates a wall between the people he loves as Matt Murdock and the people he protects as Daredevil. Daredevil's got this big fortress around him that nobody really gets in. Which brings us back to the relationship talk. Does Natasha get into that fortress? She knows the secret. She knows both halves of Matt Murdock. But does she really know Matt Murdock as a whole? And I would counter that she doesn't, but at the same time, neither does Matt Murdock. But coming back to the Avengers recruiting him, it's because Black Panther calls in the marker. Hey, I came and scratched your back. You need to come do this. And Matt says, okay, I'll go with you. I'll go fight Magneto. I'll be an Avenger. And they bring along Black Widow as kind of an additional hero, which bothers me for obvious reasons that they're overlooking her because she is female. That's exactly what they are doing because they came to her house in her city where Daredevil happened to move. It's not like, oh, we didn't know you'd be here, Black Widow. Well, yeah, you did. You came to her home. It would be ridiculous to think that she wouldn't be at her own home. It's a little bit sloppy to get them there, but now they're going off to team up with the Avengers, which is where we're going to pick up next time. For this time, let's go into the final verdict for this issue, and I gotta admit, I'm very conflicted. Again, there's a lot of interesting character dynamics happening here. A lot. None of them are pretty in a lot of ways, but they are character dynamics. They are real, they are tangible, and they are discussion-worthy. We've talked about Hawkeye and Natasha kind of moving past their original simplified templates to become full-fledged characters. And how that kind of journey needs certain steps and certain order to it. And neither one of them are really following that because Natasha should be by herself right now because she's becoming fully formed, but she's not quite there yet. Likewise, Hawkeye has been so defined by the Avengers that he does need to define himself as an individual before he can jump into a relationship. And yet, the issue is predicated on these two potentially having a relationship again, and Hawkeye showing up to try to rekindle that. And there's something to that. I mean, there's a certain weight to that, that this is a very real human thing. We've seen it in real life. Now, granted, they're not super spies and super archers when we see our friends, our family, or ourselves going through this, but that is a very real and very relatable situation. We've also talked about the idea that Daredevil, instead of being a mature adult, does a knee-jerk reaction and bristles against Hawkeye showing up, which shows his insecurity, probably in general, but specifically in this relationship. It really has Gerber showing the cracks in Natasha and Matt's relationship and the fact that it's not really stable, it's built on sand. And I think it actually shows that Matt and Natasha are really starting to realize that. And their relationship, unfortunately, is not long for this world after this. A little bit of a spoiler there, but if you listen to me on Back to the Bins, we covered the Black Spectre storyline, which happens shortly after this. And it's a relationship that does fizzle out, but this is the real start of that. That, yes, it's fizzled, but it's kind of moving on fumes from here on in and eventually just dissolves. We also talked about the idea that Matt is coerced into working with the Avengers by Black Panther calling in the favor that he did him. And that's kind of disappointing in the character. If there is a theme to this issue, it's disappointment in characters. And not because any of the characters are bad and not because I'm disappointed in them in the way your father's disappointed in you and not really angry. It's more in the idea that you realize as you grow up that your parents are not perfect and that they do have normal flaws, much like you or I now do as adults. 
and yet this is placed within a superhero comic, and there is the conflict that the issue itself has very little going for it in terms of plot beats. It's mostly Hawkeye and Daredevil fight for the love of Natasha, and then the Avengers show up the end. And as excited as I was to really talk about this issue when I cracked it open, I sit here thinking, man, I'm a little bit drained by this issue. The art by Queskin is definitely serviceable, there's some great moments, there's a good fight, it's fun to read, but at the end of the day, it's more about characters, and this could have been solved in a different way and could have gone a better direction in terms of where the next issue takes us. But in the end, it ends up being pointless because Hawkeye gets pissed and leaves, taking away the very core of the conflict of the issue. It wipes it out completely and totally, so we don't get a real resolution to this conflict. It all ends up being for nothing. It's basically like a Jeff Johns story. This particular crossover ends by moving to another particular crossover. So the question I have to ask myself is, did I have fun reading it? Just reading it before I had to sit down and think about it critically? Yes, I did. And where we're taken in the Avengers issue is very beneficial to one of these two characters, our main characters here. But I did enjoy it as an issue in and of itself before I sat down to think about it. And when I thought about it, I ended up feeling like I tore it to shreds. There's a lot of stuff with the characters, but not enough to keep me coming back to reread this. Now that the cat is out of the bag, now that I've realized the big flaw in this story, no, I don't like it. It's very lower middle of the road at best. Because I'm more interested in where Hawkeye goes from here and where Natasha goes from here than I am in where Daredevil goes from here. And that's something that's a little frustrating when you're reading a comic with Daredevil on the title. Now, granted, Black Widow's on the title, but it's not Dave's Black Widow podcast. It's Dave's Daredevil podcast, and I need something from my main character besides a little bit of bristling jealousy. But I think that pretty well puts it in perspective. Yeah, it's, it's, it's lower middle of the road. It's not quite deserving of the iconic status that it sometimes gets. And typically my thought process is it's redeemed by what happens next episode, which in which we cover Avengers number 111, which is the second part of this crossover. And I'm excited to crack that open because something happens there that I'm just dying to talk about. But at the same time, I'm starting to become scared that it's going to feel thin and a little bit futile by the time we're done here. But we'll let next time take care of next time. As mentioned, we're going to be covering Avengers number 111. But as usual, I am still J. David Weeder. I will talk to you next time. Until then, justice may be blind, but it can see in the dark. You have been listening to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. Daredevil and other Marvel characters are copyright Marvel Comics. Any music or sound clips are used for entertainment purposes only, and no infringement is intended. This show earns no money and exists for entertainment purposes only. Hear his name. Hell, devil, fight for a